Welcome to the podcast, Energy Medicine, where we are aligning your mind, body, and spirit with energy-based modalities. With your host, Dr. Mary Sanders, a medical intuitive and chiropractor. Let's join the podcast. Today on Energy Medicine, I will be joined by Chao Lin Mui. She's an alternative and Chinese medicine expert with over 21 years of experience in her field. As a licensed acupuncturist and herbalist, Chaolin funded the Integrative Healing Arts in New York City, where she offers acupuncture, herbal medicine, and energy healing to treat patients who are experiencing stress, anxiety, and fertility issues. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Dr. Mary, and I invite you to visit my website at www.drmarysanders.com to download your free guide to boost your energy centers to experience more clarity, purpose, and vitality. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back to today's show. My guest with me today is Cholin Mui. She is a licensed acupuncturist, herbalist, and Chinese medicine practitioner with over 20 years of experience. She's the founder of Integrative Healing Arts in New York City, and she uses the principles of Chinese medicine and energy medicine to treat her patients. It's her integrative approach using the ancient Eastern philosophy and healing methods while supporting the Western scientific paradigms of health. And as this sounds, it's a powerful combination that helps patients learn to heal so that they can take charge of their health and destiny. And just in the few moments that we connected before the podcast started, it feels intuitively that it is important to Cholin to empower her patients to heal, to take that active role in healing themselves. And Cholin brings to us today on the podcast specialties such as fertility, stress, anxiety, immunity, and sleep issues. So she essentially helps couples conceive naturally using her fertility protocols in Chinese medicine. The title of today's podcast is Integrating Eastern and Chinese Medicine into Health Practices. Cholin, thank you so, so very much for joining me today on the podcast Energy Medicine. I know that the listeners are just as excited as I am to learn from your areas of specialty. And I love, I absolutely love that you are pulling in the integrative approach to treat the whole person. So thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. And I'm really excited to speak to your listeners and for us to have a conversation and and share what is energy medicine and uh, to really help tease it out. Because uh, I know in the the Western mentality is everything is kind of like in a little box. And um, with energy, it flows, right? It doesn't have any boundaries. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I know for many of the listeners, um, I would like to introduce the idea that Chinese medicine is such a broad spectrum of modalities. It goes above and beyond the traditional paradigm of just the meridian system and acupuncture. So can you speak with us 
about how you incorporate all those modalities within Chinese medicine. Because, I mean, you're doing herbs, you're doing acupuncture, you're pulling in other different um, energy techniques. So how did this all come together for you? Okay, so what I'll, I'll bring up is that, you know, Chinese medicine has a, a structure to it. It has uh, principles. And the underlying principle is balancing yin and yang, right? So it's the, the two oppositional, um, but not really they're dynamic, right? They're, they are a, a synergy. And so that's what make you know, like magnets, how the energy flows and moves. And the idea is to be in balance and it's dynamic balance. So it's not like not movement, but really understanding a cycle. And within uh, you know, Chinese medicine has eight branches. And one of them you, you mentioned, the, the acupuncture, the herbal medicine, there's also body work. And then what we also have is food. We have exercise. There's meditation, like mindfulness. And there is cosmology, like astrology. And there's also feng shui. So we're looking at the art and science of placement. And so when someone comes to me, there's something is out of balance, right? Our, our, our body always wants to go into balance or homeostasis and to heal. So this is the natural inclination of life, life force. And it's called chi. In, my, in Japanese, it might be called ki or it's called prana or we, we can use different words for it. Uh, it is. It has more of a a characteristic versus something that you can kind of measure like electricity, but really this characteristic of movement. And if it's not moving, then we're looking at that that's where kind of decay occurs. And, and, and even within that, we're looking at the cycle of life, you know, like, like the, you know, how the, like the seasons, right? Like night and day. And then the, the different seasons we're just coming into, we're in spring, um, which is the time of blooming. And then we'll be in the summertime, which is where, you know, really everything is so full of life. And then we head to the fall where there's harvest and then, you know, the decay, the leaves fall off the trees and then they go into the ground. And it seems like there's death, but there isn't. It's really like the little seeds are there waiting and percolating until the next spring. So we kind of look at, it's really about a cycle and understanding where, you know, our own cycles. So if somebody is not healing in, in a natural, you know, in their, like how we do, <laughs> like it's our nature. If you cut your hand, your, you know, your, your body will go to, to heal that. Um, so if that's not happening, then we're looking at something is out of balance. And so I will look at everything, look at family history, look at their lifestyle, uh, definitely um, the mindset, we call it more Western ideas, mindset, mindfulness, and, and ideas about what you're thinking and energy. So we do know that, you know, like what we come to focus our energy on seems to manifest itself. So the more we have a fear, we're actually giving so much energy to that. For instance, when someone comes to me and they're trying to conceive and it hasn't happened, then oftentimes there's a lot of fear around, maybe it won't happen. There's something wrong with me. And so then they start to look for that to confirm how they feel. And then it like becomes this cycle, this ball. 
And so really like recognizing, okay. And then of course, before we, we started the recording, we were talking about how easy it is to get caught up in news cycles and negativity. And that can be very habitual. And so really helping somebody to like shift that, just like put your phone down, right? Detox from the, uh, your electronics, uh, work on your, your sleep, shifting your, your body energy so that then we're looking at how can you heal? We need to get into balance first and then you can heal, right? So if something's out of balance, it's very hard to heal because it's always flipping, right? So we see it in things like autoimmune conditions. It's, it's like constantly trying to heal, but then what happens is you get the fevers and you get the chills and then all of these different flare-ups because looking at really to balance first, then you can heal. So kind of like, you know, you get your footing and then you can run across the bridge. So looking at, you know, what's their environment like at home? You know, what can they change? What they can release, what they can let go of with uh, food. Oftentimes I'll look at what, what are you doing on a daily basis, right? That's something that someone has to make a choice about, educate, and then make choices about, you know, what they're going to eat doing mindfulness exercises. So when they come to see me, you know, I'll put together a plan for them. We'll do acupuncture, body work. It actually helps to shift the nervous system. So from a Western Mm -hmm. perspective, changes the neuropeptides in the brain. So we can actually, they really go into that state of wellness. And then from there, we use that as the, you know, the stepping off point, like, okay, you can feel better. So we know that this is the direction. And now we need to, you know, help you with tools of how you can do this on your own, right? Because I can't be there 24 seven. And really the idea is to become aware of like, okay, thing, you know, if you're not well, it happened a long time ago, it started, you know, before, let's say in eating, eating certain foods started years and years. And now you arrive with, you know, type two diabetes or um, problems with cholesterol or digestion or irregular menstrual, you know, uh, issues or head, you know, like all of those things, the symptom is, you know, shows, gets into your awareness when it's really bad, but before Mm -hmm. that. And uh, so that's, you know, with Chinese medicine, we're looking at the whole picture of and then what can we shift? Really awareness is the big piece of it. And uh, the mind body connection, right? Because you can't really make a change until you can feel and connect with yourself. Yeah. And so they're all different aspects. So I will look at, you know, change one thing, like throw out like old stuff if you need to, to, to just start energy moving, right? Mm-hmm. When we first started our conversation, you were talking about yin and yang, and you were talking about, essentially, I heard you kind of mention the fluidity of yes. what that looks like in relation within our own homeostasis, within our own body, as it relates to the various different cycles that are occurring around us, such as the seasonal cycles or the daily cycles. And when I think about homeostasis, which essentially is just the balance, the internal, the innate wisdom, trying and striving to strike that balance within our own system, there will be times, as you were, I believe you were alluding to at the beginning, that because it's never just a, a fixed state, 
of somebody being a excessive yin dominance or excessive yang dominance. Like you're going to go in and out of both, you know, as you are trying to find the homeostasis. So I know that I, we have a tendency of looking at yin and yang in polarity, like opposite. So one being solid, one being hollow, one being positive, one being negative, one being one direction, another going the opposite direction. I, can you help the listeners better understand the principles of yin and yang and how it relates? I know that in all of the eight branches of Chinese medicine, it shows up. But most specifically within the meridian system and how you can help a person strike a balance to have a healthy body, a healthy body to conceive or a healthy body to get over diabetes or burnout or whatever ailment that they show up in your office with. Yes. So yin and yang. So what what I can do is we can look at day and night as an example, and as we move into the different seasons, right? So dynamic balance in the summertime, it's much more yang time, right? Because of the, the warmth, the sun, uh, there's more daylight. And so from that perspective, it's you're going to see that there's less yin, more yang, right? Um, as we hit into the winter time, we're looking at, you know, darker days, so more yin, less yang. And then our body in relation to that, the circadian rhythm goes into also that cycle. So we tend to be more awake and running around and energetic in the summertime. And then in the winter, we're much more um, indoors and more of a hibernation. And that is actually kind of being in alignment with nature. So when we ignore that, and this is like the first chapter of the Yellow Emperor's Classic of Medicine talks about it. It's really like 300 BC was written, but really like older than that. And, and, and talked about like, how is it the people in the ancient times lived to be over 100? And the conversation between the physician and the emperor, you know, the physician says, well, you know, in the ancient times, People respected nature. They did not go against nature. They didn't overwork. They didn't overdrink. They didn't indulge in excesses. And that is why, you know, today people live to be like 50 or half that time because they're burning their energy. They're not in alignment with nature and also within their own nature. So with yin and yang, Getting to your your question about the meridians, so there's a known as like an internal and an external. So the front of us is more yin, is soft. The back of us is is more is a little harder and more protected. Is considered yang, right? More yang, but it, it's always relational, right? It's always in relation, like in a, a comparison. So women are more yin compared to men right? Which would tend to be more yang in their energy, but it's comparative, right? Another woman may be more yin, you know, like body type compared to another female who may be more yang. So it's always in relation. There's always a relationship that we're speaking about. So yang meridians tend to be hollow, right? So we look at our whole digestive tract, is something that's more yang. We could live without certain organs, right? But with yin organs, you can't live without them. So we're looking at, you can't live without your heart, 
uh, your liver, your kidneys, right? Your pancreas or your, your spleen, there's so the, the lungs, right? So there are certain things we're, we're looking at that there's a, a dynamic balance and a relationship with them. So take the bladder, for instance, is it considered a yang organ because it's hollow, but it's related to the kidneys, right? So if there's a problem with recurring bladder infections, that that can lead to problems with your kidneys. And then, of course, if you have kidney problems, you can end up having kidney stones and irritation and then constant, you know, inflammation in the bladder, right? So we look at, you know, how they relate to each other. The interesting organ is uh, we look at the, the lung and the large intestine. And oftentimes you will see um, in cases of, let's say, disease, disease model, that somebody will have, uh, let's say, can, can get uh, colon cancer. And then the next place that it goes to is the lung, right? So we look at those, you know, we're looking at what do, what do they do? One, the colon or the large intestine is something that actually takes away waste, absorbs water, takes away waste. And then we're looking at what the lungs do. They are the exchange of oxygen, right? That is also kind of like taking in oxygen, exhaling the, the carbon. And then the, the intestines also do a similar kind of like removing one and absorbing the other, right? For internal, external. So I hope I'm answering this question in the way. That- yeah, no, I find it fascinating. I, the human body never ceases to amaze me doesn't matter what approach or modality that the practitioner is using, that the body does have the innate ability to heal itself. And as a practitioner, you're just providing a good environment, right? Whether it be any of the branches of the Chinese medicine, you're trying to shift the environment so that the body knows what to do to heal itself. Yeah. So what I want to uh, actually, what I think would be a very interesting for, um, and this is something when someone asks me about like acupuncture and meridians. So in, you know, ancient embryology, they, when are the meridians formed? Well, they're formed, you know, during that embryonic stage, which is the what divides the cell. So this is where the East and the West are like, okay, this is is what what meridians are. And so we know that there's a certain point where those cells divide and say, okay, this is the front of the person. This is going to be the back of the person. This is going to be the upper part. This is going to be the lower part, right? These are going to be the sides and then, you know, sprout out the buds that become the, the arms and the legs and the limbs. Now, stem cells, are they're undifferentiated, but something tells them to become that arm, to become that leg, to become that foot. There is something that is directing those cells to turn into a human being. So once you're born, right, we use in utero, we're one way. Once we're born, all of a sudden, you know, our lungs are, are working, our, you know, we, the first thing we swallow, the idea is you swallow something and then it starts, the, the fire starts up of your stomach and then it goes through the digestive system and you're breathing oxygen and then you're separate from the, the mother, right? So, now, these are kind of known as, let's say, bio lines, I call them, bio forms that are there, part of development, 
And they're still there. It's like a backdoor to a computer program. So when something is off balance, what you can do is you can access that those energy lines, which are like the original lines to help you to develop into that human being, right? So this is what I believe, this is what I believe that the meridians are that actually they tap in and, and more studies show that, you know, you tap in, you tap a real acupuncture point that has a function, it will light up in the brain into those areas that relate to, let's say an organ. And so this is really, you know, ancient knowledge. Where does it come from? I mean, I think that the universe kind of tells us in a way (laughs) that it comes Mm -hmm, from mm -hmm have a knowing we carry all this information within us, right? That if we can tap into it, you know, when we eat a plant, it has a lot of information that we can actually connect to it and it will tell us a lot. Mm -hmm. I think we just have been kind of educated out of it to, to not listen to it or not experience it. And that becomes really um, why there's so much, I would say, illness, uh, so much disease, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of mental illness or emotional illness, we call it, which is is a kind of energy, like emotions are energy too, right? You get upset, stomach acid will start going. I mean, we can't sleep, we worry, we can't sleep. So, so our thoughts, our emotions are a kind of energy and vibration and our body is, you know, responds to it. We experience everything in the body. Mm-hmm. So this is, uh, you know, to understand that, you know, the meridians are biomaps, right, that we have. And so keeping your physical form in good shape also helps your energy flow right? Hmm. The food we eat, the thoughts that we have, the social media we consume, (laughs) (laughs) people you surround ourselves with, right? You know, you want to be around people who are really positive and also be a positive for for other people too, to help them shift out Mm -hmm. of their, um, you know, a a negative state. And and I think of it as like different. It's, you know, everybody has like a kind of like the, the, the highs and the lows, when someone gets really like kind of stuck, they can go really get very stuck. And then physically they become more, um, I would say ill or congested. uh, And then it gets harder and harder to get out of it. Sherlyn, there's so much wisdom in the content that you're sharing with us today. I have such a tremendous amount of gratitude for you expressing it so eloquently as you do. So thank you for that. There's something that I, I have a, quite a few questions, but I'm trying to narrow down specifically. I know that you are very integrative in your approach when patients enter into your office. And I do understand that your niche in the area of fertility is really what you're known for. I know that you're a published author and I know that you're dealing with, you know, the whole person, the whole couple that shows up into your office. And I know that you have a fond respect for, you know, the neuropeptides and the emotions and the mindset of these people. And I know that you're committed to their lifestyle. So at what point in time, 
Cholin, do you sit down with your patient and say, look, it's time that you learn how to meditate? Meditation is actually a lot harder for people to do. So what I have more in the last year or so, and this is from my own practice, have been recommending people start doing breath work because they can do it wherever they are. They can do it on the subway. They can do the, um, the, the four, seven, eight breath would like to just calm their nervous system down. They can look on, you know, download from uh, YouTube, you know, something like three rounds of breathing they could do while sitting in traffic, you know, something because that is something that's kind of active and focused and it actually helps to shift the nervous system. And so that's what I, I recommended to all of my patients to do it. It's very challenging to calm your mind down when you're in a, like a state of fight or flight. But what you can do is regulate your breathing. And that's something that's our autonomic nervous system that no matter what we have to breathe, but it's also something that we can control the breathing. And, and that's like a step where someone can actually do it. And they're like, oh, wow, I feel so much better immediately, mm-hmm. immediately they can do it. And so that's something, do a yoga class, do this, go change your food, that th- those are steps, but something like right away I can give them to do and they can feel it. Then, you know, they get success with it and then they're mm-hmm. motivated to do more. Right. And then, of course, research that, you know, breathing for five minutes a day may even be more beneficial than trying to meditate. And when people can't meditate, then it becomes frustrating in and of itself. Hmm. What a great reminder. The impact of just, you know, inhaling through the nose and exhaling through the through the mouth, as you were mentioning from a central nervous system perspective, it tricks the body out of that sympathetic overdrive and gets you reconnected into the parasympathetics. So instead of fight or flight, they go more into rest and digest. And and I do, I agree with you. People want to have an experience success. So if you can just do three rounds of breathing, hurrah, right? So (laughs) mission accomplished. You got the central nervous system to kind of come back. And, you know, you provided a simple and easy applicable technique that somebody can gain confidence with. So true. But I really appreciate you reminding all of us just the, the impact of such a simple activity as, as breath. And so that's, that's a beautiful reminder. And then how is it that I'm going to go back to fertility again, because I know that, you know, there are um, some listeners that might be, you know, looking at fertility issues. And you talked about the mindset and you talked about the neuropeptides. You talked about the emotional state of the being that gets presented into your office. Are you using more, I know you're using a variety of modalities, but when do you count on the herbs to help help with regulating the emotions? When do you count on acupuncture? When do you count on some of the lifestyle modifications or the shifting of the energy of the environment? How do you determine and prioritize your approach? 
Okay, so first, what I want to just for whoever's listening that, you know, fertility is a symptom of being out of balance. And my specialty in that area is because it's such a like, specific goal, and there's so much at stake, that people are showing up and really like doing the work, because they want the outcome, right? Big stakes. So the principle, though, is like looking at where there's an imbalance. So prioritizing each person, I, I'm going to gauge where they are. Uh, in terms of herbs, herbs are, I don't recommend herbs right away. And this is because we need to d- look at the things that they're going to do on their own. So the first thing, you know, like to make different changes, I'm not going to add more things in until I can remove some of the stuff that they're doing. So oftentimes people are taking like way too many supplements or they're, they're doing juicing, they're doing fasting, they're, do- <laughs> they're doing like all, like a lot. And I'm going to look at it and I go, okay, I'm not going to try to like squeeze an herbal formula in there. I need to really clear out as much as I can of, you know, what is them and then adjust it to what they're going to do. So with herbal medicine, they've got to be compliant to take it for a certain period of time. And then it's not like taking vitamins, right? So as you get better, you're not going to need that formula. Maybe you're going to need to adjust the formula. If you are changing your diet, then there's going to be something else. So I really look at, I know in the West, this idea of like, oh, I want to take a medicine and get better. Yeah. So we're really like addicted to taking things versus you may need that if you're in a place to help you over the hump. But really what it's going to do is help your body to do what it's going to do naturally. And once it gets into that state of doing it naturally, you're not going to need herbs because then we're looking at you always from a, a place of a disease, like, like that you're not getting better. So the ability to get better is a strength in and of itself. For patients that are recovering from um, something like uh, having cancer and they underwent chemo and radiation, that something has happened to their body that leaves them very deficient. And so for that, they are going to need usually the, the something a little bit more, more long-term, some herbal support. And that's also because their digestive system has been damaged. So that all the food that they're taking, maybe they're not able to absorb it. They really need to be able to recover from that event of, of also the treatment that they had, right? So we have to look at the treatment does damage in and of itself, and, and then it makes it harder for the body to recover. And, and that's like a difference. Like if you're attacking the disease or you're helping the person who has the disease to fight the disease, right? And so Western idea is like, oh, we're killing the cancer. Like you need to support the person so that their body mm-hmm. will also be able to handle that battleground, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the way that they're being, you know, because it's happening within them right? It's this, mm-hmm. this, uh, the treatments are happening within them. Um, and they often leave people weaker. And so really looking at, is the person compliant? Are they making those changes 
um, to, you know, to create it as a practice. And, and that's my, always my goal is, you know, someone doing um, maybe a little lymphatic practice. I have, you know, they, they can do 30 seconds, you know, in the morning when they're brushing their teeth or waiting for coffee to come up that they can actually do a few different things to incorporate, right? So it's going to be really easy. And then they notice immediately a great result. And, and, um, and also the, the idea behind it, right? Uh, I noticed oftentimes people will go to yoga class and they're looking at it as an exercise versus looking at, you know, like, oh, how many handstands can I do or <laughs> power through mm-hmm. it versus looking at it is a mind body. It's a moving meditation. And so the purpose is not to do the hand. If you can do the handstand, great. Um, it's really to move your body, get the energy moving. And your and those poses are meant to open up meridians or, or energy mm-hmm. lines and also your breathing. And mm-hmm. you're doing, so the idea is like your whole body is involved. Each cell is inhaling and exhaling eventually, right? So you, you become one, one. And so that's the, you know, oftentimes people are going, they're kind of doing things, going through the motions of it and not connecting to it. And I actually think like one day, everybody in those yoga studios will suddenly like, it'll all wake up, they'll wake up, they'll have an awakening of like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let it be a collective awakening. Um, I can honestly say that, you know, over 25 years of doing yoga, my, my practice now is primarily a breath practice. And so that's the intention when I set on, you know, step onto the mat, you know, I express a tremendous amount of gratitude. You know, I know that the asanas are going to release energetic blocks within the physical body, but I set the intention to allow the breath to carry me through the practice. And with that comes then the shift of the, of the mindset and the brain and the moving meditation, as you mentioned. So I appreciate you bringing that awareness to, to the discussion today. Now, I know many of the listeners are wondering, well, I've mentioned your book a couple of times, so I want you to talk about that. And then I would like for you to address the idea, post-COVID, how can people work with you if they are not living in New York City? Do you offer services remotely in order to support you know, somebody that might be in San Francisco who's experiencing fertility issues? Yes, I do. I don't have it on my website or, you know, but when someone reaches out to me that I do, because I have a program of how I work with someone, if they're going to work, you know, initially they'll, I'll see them and, um, it's a very thorough intake and, uh, assessment. And I'll also give them a treatment. So it's really like full on and then put together a plan for them. This is what I think this is what you need to do. This is the time, like a timeline in which to do it. A very big part of it is, um, I would say like at least a three month, you know, weekly sessions is to kind of help them in the mindset and, and reset their energy to help them to balance and also recover from oftentimes they are in that place of fear, worry, like just, and really that takes time to to reset their nervous system. Their adrenals are shot. There's like a lot. 
And so it takes like an initial, just that to kind of be like, okay, I feel in balance, like balanced enough. Otherwise it's like coming from a place of um, anxiety is not a good place to try to conceive, right? It just is, it, it interferes. And, and, and so it's really this idea we need to balance and get our mind wrapped around what we're doing and also know that every single thing we're doing, we're moving towards that goal. So not look at, oh, it didn't work, but really like everything we're doing on a daily basis, whether it's tracking the cycle, you know, doing some breathing, writing things down, kind of removing ourselves from, you know, chaos and, and people who are not helpful, like a lot of that, that that is a step closer and closer and closer versus it's an all or nothing. And so that's a big part of working with me, including the physical, the acupuncture part. So what I do is I can work with somebody and if they are in, you know, different parts of the, the States or even, you know, some overseas, I um, can vet a uh, acupuncturist or a Chinese medicine person or to really like help to pull it together and including, you know, working with a fertility clinic. There are, um, I go to fertility clinics, I meet the doctors, I'll go to their open houses and, and really, you know, work together with them. And I, I need to understand what they're doing. And also I will get a good a sense energetically, you know, how that person is. I mean, the physicians are and, and really recommend, like, I think this is a better, this practice is going to be good for you just based on their, the, the energy. And, and what they specialize in, but they would have to contact on a yeah, person by person basis. Okay. That. So that's not, you mentioned that that service is not listed on your website. I respect that. The listeners respect that as well. And I guess then if they're going to reach out to you, do, do you prefer that they reach out to you via email? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So in uh, listeners, I have all of challenge contact information in the show notes, but her email address is T as in Tom, M as in Mary, O-Y at integrativehealingarts.com. And I really intuitively, I feel as though Chalem will be very respectful and timely and communicative with you should you have the need to pursue additional treatments and services with her. Um, I, I get that to be the truth. And, and then before I forget, and I don't think I have the name of your book. Um, can you share that with me? Sure. The name of the book is, Will I Ever Get Pregnant? <laughs> the Smart Woman's Guide to Get Pregnant Naturally Over 40. Yeah. So a lot of my patients are women that are hit 38, 39 or, or 35 or, you know, and they start to panic. And that is the question they ask, will I ever get pregnant? It's very hard when they're in that place. And so, um, and also the challenge because they want it to be natural. They want, and that, uh, and when it doesn't happen for them, it creates even more um, stress and anxiety. And of course, mm-hmm. does not help them. No, it's somewhat counterproductive, I assume. And then I'm also assuming Today is the day and age in which, you know, women who are approaching that age bracket are 
taking it upon themselves to freeze some eggs in order to do, you know, perhaps a future pregnancy. And so when they're working with a fertility specialist in that environment and you take a, my guess is you take a very supportive and very active role in in helping, you know, have prime conditions for the pregnancy to take. Absolutely. In fact, a lot of women are, are, because it is an option with their employers, are seeking that to start freezing eggs. I mean, it's very interesting that uh, it's kind of like a placeholder. I don't know what the outcome is going to be in the future because there are going to be a lot of like uh, women that may have eggs that are, and then they are kind of, they you know have to decide what they're going to do with them. They want to use them or or you know the for the reasons that they're you know putting them on hold. Maybe that they're, they're not ready or they haven't found the person or they want to, they're going to go on their own and they're always looking to have, you know, to, to make sure that their younger follicles are there. Uh, the thing is, is that, uh, stress plays a huge factor. I mean, age is one aspect of it, but also, um, if you're stressed out young person and you're, you're uh, going to look to freeze your eggs that when the, the aspect of recruitment, it's called when you're, when they're, the follicles are waking up to then be ovulated to become part of ovulation. They are exposed to stress. They're exposed to bacteria. They're exposed to viruses, all of those things. So really important undergoing that journey as well. It's really to go in with the mindfulness of it and looking at this is possibly is your future child and you want to get as if, you know, giving them the, the, the good future, right? So you, you have to be in the place of where you want to be in the future, even though you're, you're here, right? Um, and have that energy to be with that, because that will become a part of uh, the, I guess, what we call the morphogenetic field or the mm-hmm, energy mm-hmm, field mm-hmm. around, you know, that does affect the follicles. So great advice. Yes. Great advice. Yeah. I, I I just I don't believe that that is spoken enough about. So um, thank you for sharing that with the listeners. And your wisdom is just priceless. And I um, have a tremendous amount of gratitude for the space that you're holding for your patients. Yeah, that's a beautiful. It's a beautiful way to show up in the world. So thank you for being you. And I appreciate you. And thank you for being on the podcast, Energy Medicine. Thank you. You're very welcome. And listeners, please stay tuned for this short message and we'll be right back. You have been listening to the podcast, Energy Medicine, where we are aligning your mind, body, and spirit with energy-based modalities. For more information about Dr. Mary Sanders or our podcast, please check out our website at www.drmarysanders.com. Thank you for listening.